listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 150 of the Testudo Times Podcast. Welcome back after a bit of a break. Where, uh, Thomas, what month is it? This is March. I know. Isn't it great? It is fantastic. It's my birthday month. It's my sister's birthday month and my grandmother's birthday month. It's a good month. I have to remind myself to buy birthday cards now. I only have nine days, actually, from when this is being recorded. Thank you for reminding me, because I was otherwise going to forget. That happens to You're welcome. This yeah. is uh, service journalism. Service journalism, of course, and we need that in these days. Lamar, um, do you have any other comments on March? What's the best holiday in March? Uh... The madness, of course. I don't think there uh, are there other. Uh, what is is uh, Saint Patrick's Day in March? I don't, I don't Patrick's know. Day Perhaps in March. in March. That is not a real holiday. Does not count. Yeah. Absolutely does uh, not count. The best holiday in March is of course Easter every other year, I guess. Sometimes. But the best holiday in March, beware the Ides of March. I am a Roman history geek, so of course I'm going to say that. <laughs> It's a good choice. Uh, honorable mention is Pi Day. Yes, Pi Day, which is Ooh. two days from now. Very good mm-hmm. holiday. But really, the the biggest one is Thursday of the NCAA tournament. <laughs> yes, it we're really take off like work. Mm-hmm. If we have work, which in my case I don't, but technically my work is I guess watching the tournament. Uh, we're going to get into all sorts of things related to that. We got a lot to get to because we didn't podcast last week because of Maryland's weird basketball schedule. Uh, let's talk about that weird basketball schedule. They played last Friday their final game of the regular season. It feels like that was an eon ago because it actually was. And they beat Minnesota. They ran them out of the gym after they had lost to Michigan on Sunday where everything worked except the basketball on the floor. We'll get to some of that in a second. Maryland's regular season is now over. And just as a look back on it now, Thomas, I don't see how anybody could say that Maryland underachieved and how this regular season wasn't a good success. It wasn't a smashing success, but it was a good success. Yeah, I would agree. I think the record is probably around what I thought, but the schedule was harder than I thought because the Big Ten kind of across the board was pretty good. Um, You know, a lot better than really anyone could have expected. A lot of teams got better from last year. You know, obviously last year in the Big Ten was pretty weak. Uh, This year they could have as many as like eight or nine tournament teams. Mm -hmm. Um, Still a few on the bubbles, but... Overall, thirteen and seven in, you know, the league that that we watched them play in is pretty impressive. They did lose a couple games that they probably either should have won or should have been in, and that's really the difference between a four and a five. Um, you know, that's kind of how it is. I think the they they were part of the group that separated themselves from the rest of the league. You know everyone else went 500 or worse except those five teams and to be in that upper echelon even if it's the you know the fifth out of the five and the one getting the single buy I think most fans would have taken that I think everybody would have thought at the season if you can tell me they're in a top five spot in the big 10 no one's going to say no to that I mean you go through ups and downs every year but Maryland in its time in the big 10 has finished in the top five now four out of the five years 
I don't think anybody could really complain about that. Well, we will find reasons to complain, but still, considering all that they went through and how much we didn't know what this team was going to be, I think that's where the, the exceeding expectations comes from because certain players took steps we didn't think they were going to take. Some players took more steps, I guess, than we were thinking they were going to take. And that, to me, is where if I look back on the season, I could say it established the foundation of a team that's going to be a really competitive team for years to come. I don't know what the ceiling is, but the fact that they took this step this year after a really bad season last year, their first really bad year in like four years, that to me is a promising step for the future of the program just overall. No matter whether, you know, we're angry that they got blown out by Penn State or they threw away a game against Illinois. Like, the back end of the Big Ten ate itself this year, and Maryland, you know, they, they were unfortunate to play a couple of teams in the games they should have won right as they got red hot. Sometimes timing is everything. And on top of that, they played the top four teams a total of seven times. Yeah, schedule and went really two, didn't And then went two and five favors. in those games. So they had really about as tough a schedule as anyone else in the league. So given that, 13-7 well, I mean, is you think that the pretty good. Team that they didn't play of the top four the two times was Michigan State, and they had that game on the road. They didn't get mm-hmm. Michigan State at home this year. Whether they would have beaten them at home is a discussion we could have another time. But for all, all things considered, I don't think this season is anything other than a success. Now, how they do in the NCAA tournament will determine what kind of success they end up having. And Lamar, I think that when we go back and we look at the season – Hopefully, we're looking back on it as the stepping stone to something bigger in the future. But this season was about how would freshmen play and how would the returners take a step forward. Well, we know Bruno Fernando took a massive step forward. And the freshman class, while it wasn't filled with the one-and-dones and the real big talent that Maryland thought it could get at the start of this recruiting cycle, they got a lot of guys who are going to be here for a while. And if this is what their floor is, you can imagine what their next step might be like. Yeah, for sure. And just to go back to the finish, where Mellon was a Ohio State went away from securing that double bye. Uh, won a couple of games here and there. You're not depending on x many factors, but you can do that up and down the uh, schedule at this time of year. But the most important thing is, like you said, this is probably the floor for these freshmen and. They showed a lot of talent, when, whether you're talking about Aaron Wiggins and the scoring he exhibited or where Jalen Smith has shown he has room to improve in the paint, yet has shown some of that ability as a uh, shot block on the other end when uh, Bruno Fernando probably leaves for the draft next year or, I mean, this year. It's guaranteed uh, at this point. Yeah. He's uh, then you have Sarah Smith, who's billeted as just like a scorer, but hustled defensively all year. Uh, really good season to, in terms of like development. This is this team was the fourth youngest team in the league, in the not just the league, the nation all year, and all these freshmen are have valuable experience, save for Trace Ramsey. Uh, well, coming back next year. You just don't know whether he actually took the floor. <laughs> Bringing back running yeah. jokes from old shows. That's a trademark. Oh, man. It's crazy that I think he burnt his red shirt. Uh, he did. He, uh, yeah, he played in like two games. Uh, but even that practice experience, like you never know uh, how he'll be able to come out next year. But this is a team that we lose 
So, like, you lose Kevin Herter last year. You uh, lost Justin Jackson early next year, so you can't really... It doesn't even feel like this team was really losing him coming into this season. Uh, but that was still production that was gone. And for the first half of the season or, like, nine conference games, you're dealing with, like, the six top six players are... Uh, doing almost all the production and then you watch the team grow, watch the bench get a little longer and to the point where Ricky Lindo and Sarah Smith are counted on pieces and Eric Ayala, who coming into the season wasn't billed as a shooter and says one of the best three point shooters in uh, the big 10 by percentage. There were a lot of steps taken this year. And as we said, we assume Bruno Fernando is going to leave. I can't imagine with him being mocked in the first round that he's going to not leave. Uh, it, it would be kind of silly for him not to. I can't imagine at this point Jalen Smith's going to leave. He's going to go probably to the Combine and test himself. But he seems like a guy who could take a Bruno Fernando step. And we'll get to that at another point. Even Bender graduates, but everybody else returns. Like, that's the great thing about the core of this group is that they're all going to have a chance to take a next step together. And you'll have Anthony Cowan as a senior. There's a lot of potential for this team in the future. And this in many ways feels like not a floor, but... Feels like there is definitely room to grow for this team. Let's talk about those final two games, Thomas, very briefly. Uh, Minnesota, they blew them out from the start. It was one of those games that we didn't see a lot of for Maryland this year where they just came out and they played better, they played motivated, and they started fast. And Minnesota, who had their signature win a couple nights earlier, they were hungover from that, and I, Maryland took advantage. And I'm glad they did because those are the kind of games where Maryland sometimes slips up. And after those two straight losses, you were wondering what kind of performance would we see? We saw one of their better performances of the season, and that was a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they just it's, – it's one of the few times they've come out strong on both ends. And Anthony Cowan in particular, you know, he, he's been plagued by slow starts. Even when he was having, you know, 20-point games, he would be like four in the first half and 20 in the second half. And – this time he was, you know, on fire right away. I think he had seven points in the first four minutes. Finished the game with 21. Jalen Smith had one of his best games. Um, ironically enough, I think two of maybe his two best games, two of his best like four or five games in the league, both came against Minnesota. So that was turned out to be a good matchup for him. Um, another one of those Bruno Fernando kind of quiet, still a double-double nights. It's and, amazing we can say that now, that after what he was last year to what he is now, where you could say 11-11 and 11 is a quiet night for Bruno Fernando. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, and when, when all three guys really have it going, there's not a lot teams can do to stop Maryland. And Smith is kind of the X factor in that because, you know, Cowan will score points even, you know, whether or not he's efficient. And Fernando will be efficient whether or not he scores points. Mm-hmm. It makes it makes a good amount of sense. And for the thing with Jalen Smith is you, you, just, you haven't known what we were going to get from him. And it wasn't quite what I guess we thought, but he certainly has so much potential, and you see it in some of those games. It's weird that against Jordan Murphy and that front court for Minnesota, he's had his best games this year, which is kind of odd. But whatever the case may be, and, and it came, Lamar, after a Michigan game where they played decently to start. Then they went through one of those stretches where they couldn't hit a bucket. They were actually playing good defense, and at the end of the game, they didn't play defense. And it was a game where everything was working except for sometimes the basketball. And you wonder, like, oh, Maryland could have won that game. Like, 
it's one of those games where I wonder if they win it next year. I wonder maybe when we look back on it where we say they weren't quite equipped to beat a team like that, even though they ended up, you know, they torched Purdue in the second half of that game at home and it was their best half of the season. But maybe I wonder whether that kind of loss is something Maryland might not necessarily be equipped to, you know, overcome in this year, but maybe in future years they will. It's, it's a thought that I have looking back on it now from a week plus hindsight. But we, we will find out, I guess. But overall, what do you think about the end of this season in these last two games? Uh, solid into the season. Again, you want to see them win that Michigan game. But it also felt like one where they weren't equipped for all the counter punches that a very experienced Michigan team had for them. Like also, when... Uh, Xavier Simpson's hitting hook shots left okay, and right. That's kind of crazy. That How is that possible via the laws of physics? I might have to start, you know, learning about I general saw, relativity more to apply that to those shots to figure out how they went in. I saw all those with my eyes, and I still don't know how he went he perfect did that on those. He against Michigan State, too, and you were just listening to Dan Jockets for the first time in his life be speechless. Wow. We should just play hook shots every time Dockage is on the call <laughs> so we don't have to hear him. Uh, I like Dan Dockets. Let's not get into that. I'm okay with Dan Dockets. I know a lot of people are not, but I'm I'm normally more willing to be defensive of people like that. He doesn't say anything (laughs) heinous. Uh, Anyway, the point is, uh, those shots were But the Michigan at the end of the game, they were just more equipped to hit shots than Maryland was not able to do. You know, we've always seen Maryland at the end of game situations, and that was one of those where it's like, you need one stop, and they just – broke down at the end of the shot clock. And it's just like, it's frustrating because they were playing really good defense at times, but they just couldn't keep it up the entire game. Yeah, at the end, it kind of felt like they were going into trading buckets rather than, all right, we need to stop here and then we need to score because they were still scoring to an extent, but you can't let them get a bucket on like their last seven sessions or something like that. Uh, In terms of the uh, Minnesota game, that was, it was a uh, similar feeling that the Michigan game had to it uh, in terms of like, oh, yeah, this is going to be fun. And then, of course, at the end of the Michigan game, it gets a lot less fun. Uh, Minnesota, they, like, came out uh, even better proposed, and I think that took some of the uh, weight off of the game a little bit. And then it was Only just going out there and killing it. Ever been. Oh, yeah, someone uh, proposed later in the uh, game too and it was like I'm sure he had that like plan uh, earlier I mean, like before the game and it's like oh man <laughs> no yeah that's gotta be wrong. Sporting I mean, events, children no proposals at sporting events bad idea I'm against it in the stands no I no, think no. my favorite Even proposal of all time doing it was great that was fantastic yeah. that yeah. my amazing. favorite proposal of all time is Ian Johnson oh yeah no okay yes the Boise State after the after the winning touchdown if you if you don't remember what we're talking about you know, I don't know how many people remember because that was 2007 in January. That's 12 years ago. I remember it, but how many of you guys remember? Are you listening? Maybe. You know, I don't know necessarily who's the audience here. But... And right up there is uh, Carlos Correa after Game 7 of the World Series apparently played the whole game with the ring. That's another good one. I remember that. Athlete. I remember both of those, the Correa one. Yeah, but even Bender doing it is perfect. Great. Everybody's happy with that one. And you can see the whole team's behind him, right? And Mark Turgeon's carrying the ring, apparently. Yeah. So yeah, like, like, he had, he gave Turgeon the ring. Turgeon kind of slipped him the ring uh, during the ceremony. Which was spectacular. That 
is good. Proposing in the stands, not good. We, that's something I don't approve of. And as you said, that kind of took the air out of the build, you know, in, in a negative way. Like any negative feelings you had, it was done after that. Everybody kind of knows at that point, all right, Maryland's going to win. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, shot. You, you have to win after that one. You can't waste a proposal on a loss. No, but, I mean, well, it was Maryland. Obviously, it's possible that they could have. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, also the best part at the end is Mark Turgeon going to the press conference with Andrew Terrell's towel. That was, that was really good. That was good. He yeah. had a towel during a Terrell's ceremony as well. Which is another great thing that was spectacular. I mean, the whole second half, everyone was chanting for him to come in, which is... And Maryland, in, in pure Maryland fashion, I mean, they were never up by quite enough. And then Minnesota went on a bit of a run late Do you know what I to, was thinking to cut into happen? his minutes. Do you know what I was thinking was going to happen? The line of that game was seven. Maryland won by nine. And I was convinced that what was going to happen at the end of that game was the Minnesota player coming into the corner sinking that shot so we have a bad beat on senior night, but not for the, you know, team hosting the senior night. I was convinced yeah, that Yeah, I mean, and the, the just, I, I mean, I remember watching that. I think it got blocked, the last shot. It got blocked. Yeah. Yes. That was, that was interesting. We needed a bad beat on senior night. We didn't get it, unfortunately. But uh, I'm, I'm happy for those two guys. I mean, they don't. You know, they're not going to go down in the, the history of Maryland basketball. Maybe Andrew Terrell will go down because of what he, his blog and, you know, all the things that he's done. But, I mean, it's, it's cool to see that. And Maryland hasn't had a lot of seniors recently. So next year will be really interesting because of Anthony Cowan, obviously. But we'll get to that when we get to it. So now we go to the Big Ten tournament. It was really interesting. On a Sunday afternoon, Ohio State was getting blown out until they weren't. And then they almost came back and won. And in traditional Maryland fashion, so close. But... No, they didn't. I was hoping they would win, obviously. I think we all were. I was amazed that Ohio State was even in that game because they had scored like 16 points at that, in the first half. It was ridiculous. So, nearly. It was so wild. I was, I was uh, watching the game. Two of my roommates are the WMEC radio kids who were going up to call, and they have a Thursday morning flight. So, they really wanted to not have to call the Thursday game. And so, they're rooting for Ohio State. And just as Ohio State makes the run, like – it's they've it's louder than I've heard any of them cheer for Maryland. <laughs> you have to understand, I took an MUC flight at like seven in the morning when I did my Iowa game when I traveled. They they you gotta admit, if you're gonna do that and then you gotta go call a game like three hours later, it's brutal. Again, I don't think many people are gonna, you know, sympathize with you, but it's brutal to do that, so I can understand why they were cheering. But at least Maryland is not playing the early, early game. They're playing the late game in the afternoon session which helps although they're also having to do it when they don't know who their opponent's going to be until they get there basically another interesting story about that so the way it ended up shaking out at the end i think maryland ended up getting a pretty okay deal having to play either nebraska or rutgers because the way things were shaking out they could have played penn state they could have played illinois and after what happened against those two teams i think maryland fans would have been terrified to see that but Nebraska or Rutgers, Rutgers is not playing as well as they were in the middle of the season. Nebraska got a crazy comeback against Iowa, although I think that's more Iowa than Nebraska at this point. That's a matchup I think Maryland will probably take. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially considering just all the other teams at the bottom. You know, Northwestern, I think Northwestern's the only team that hasn't pulled off an upset this year. 
They're the only team in the Big Ten that I would say is legitimately bad. Which is surprising because they still have pretty good players. They still have Derek Pardon and Vic Law. Yeah, but you for, saw how much for like Carol their eighth year, the crap out of them earlier this year. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and the way they played Nebraska on the road, but even then, Nebraska still has James Palmer, who, you know, trying his best to close out his career because any game James Palmer plays at this point could be his last. And that's um, that is that part Rutgers. is a little scary. Mm-hmm. But Rutgers also has the what's going on with Issa Chom, and that's a whole other kettle of fish. So Rutgers is not what they were. But, I mean, either way, of the potential teams, I guess if you throw out Northwestern, that's probably the team you'd want to play. Because I wouldn't want to play Indiana right now. Certainly don't want to play Penn State. Don't want to play Illinois. I think that Maryland ends up getting, at least for its first game, not as bad as it could have been. And if they win, then they get to play Wisconsin for a third time. And that... I think Lamar is going to be a fascinating matchup because the two games against Wisconsin were really bizarre. Maryland dominated Wisconsin the first game until they didn't and almost lost, blew a 20-point lead, but they still won. Then you've got the second game where they played really pretty well for the first 30 minutes until they didn't anymore. And now you got to play them a third time. And, again, I think they're basically dead even in terms of almost every conceivable fashion. But Maryland hasn't won a tournament game since they beat Hawaii in 2016 in the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, that game to me is a pure yeah. toss-up. So uh, that's almost, I think, the danger in how the uh, Maryland gets the single by is that they can look ahead to Wisconsin and get caught up. And Rutgers gave them a furious 10 minutes worth of challenge at the rag. Uh, Nebraska, not as... Uh, also put up a challenge the first time, but then they lose Isaac Copeland, and they're not the same team. Um, but a potential third matchup with Wisconsin is definitely something that, like, you got to raise your eyebrows at. And it's not just like a – it's a third matchup for this one, and it's also uh, – Revenge from last year. Revenge from last year. You yeah. get uh, Anthony Cowan, Bruno Fernando, who remember how much that hurt last year, and uh, especially with – these games possibly being Bruno's last, he he'll have something. And Anthony Cowan was he was hurt last year. I think they come out with some fire, and I think they I think they shake off that. I think they get they win, they win the first game. They beat take care of Nebraska or Rutgers, but that third matchup with Wisconsin is going to be tough, and it's going to be a lot a lot of a lot of fun to watch. I, I think. Fun is maybe not the term I use. Relatively speaking. <laughs> yeah. But it's it definitely going to be a good game. It would definitely be a good game. There aren't many teams that Maryland's going to be playing right now in the Big Ten where you say, all right, they're just as good as Maryland. This game's pure toss-up. Because the three teams above Maryland are ones we can say pretty definitively that they're better than Maryland, and everybody below them is not better than Maryland. They might be playing better, but they're not better. And so Wisconsin's a pure toss-up, and I'm really interested, assuming Maryland wins that game against Nebraska Rutgers, and they are fully capable of screwing that up because this is Maryland. And as I said, they have not won a tournament game since the second round against Hawaii in 2016. Let's go over bracketology briefly, Thomas. Everybody has Maryland as a five seed. Uh, Where they play and who they play differs, but obviously Maryland's had experience in these, you know, 5-12, 4-13 5-12, 4-13 games the last couple times they've been in the tournament. Uh, of course, 
South Dakota State was a couple years ago. Mike Dom, they cannot play Mike Dom again. He's out of the tournament because they lost to Western Illinois in the Summit quarterfinals. But they could play John Morant. That's going to keep me up at night. Yeah, I think uh, Lenardi it might be who has that matchup. Lenardi has them playing, uh, yes, I think that he does. I do not believe that Jerry Palm does. I'm going to check because I don't know. Uh, it's, it's been a bunch of random stuff that you could see with this bracketology, but I think everybody consistently has Maryland as a five. Uh, Maryland, according to, uh, yeah, he hasn't played Murray State as well, Jerry Palm, just in Jacksonville, and the four seed in that region is Florida State, for what it's worth, so... I am terrified of Maryland playing a mid-major as a 5-12 because those teams come in with nothing to lose. Now, if they end up playing one of the last four in, I'm far less scared. You know? But even then, like, there's always one of the winners of the play-in games wins in the first round. Like, I, I think know. every year that's happened. And they would obviously think it would probably be Maryland that they would play and then beat. But, I mean, let's be honest. I'm far more terrified of a mid-major like, like Murray State or... Yeah, well, with the way this year has gone, yeah, I think he would take it. Well, it would be great from a basketball standpoint because, you know, Daryl Morcel has erased some good players already this year. Can he erase John Morant? That would probably be his most impressive feat yet. It would be. I mean, I was listening to some people talk about Murray State and what John Morant could do with his draft stock, and I'm thinking, well, if he plays Maryland, Daryl Morcel is going to defend him. So that would be a great matchup if you were a neutral but I also think if that's the matchup, that's going to be the most picked 12-5 upset, obviously. Oh, yeah. It's not even going to be close. I feel like, I mean, Maryland, a couple of years ago when they were the six, they were slightly overseeded as a six. This year they could even drop to a six, I think, especially if they lose their first game. If they lose, it's possible, but I don't think so. I think a lot of other things would have to happen, and in order for them to get a four, I think they have to win three games. I think they have to beat Rutgers, Nebraska, then beat Wisconsin, and then probably beat Michigan State. And they haven't won three games in a conference tournament since 2004 when they won the ACC. That's a task. I think that's the only way they're getting a four, to be honest with you. I think they're pretty much stuck as a five. It's just a matter of where they play, because I've seen them be sent to Jacksonville. I've seen them be sent to Hartford. I've seen them uh, be sent to San Jose. I've seen them be put in the East region, which is hilarious because then if Maryland wins two games, they get home games in Washington. They don't win in Capital One Arena, but how hilarious would that be? How hilarious would that be? Yeah, that would be something. So, I mean, Justin earlier this week, you know, he, he's looked at it and he says the best bets are Hartford and San Jose, which, funny enough, you know, the two most likely are on completely opposite ends of the country and mean completely different things for like us as people who would travel to cover it but oh yes it does <laughs> well i was gonna go to the the first round a couple of years ago and then it was in spokane and wmuc said they didn't have enough money <laughs> yep true story so uh please tournament committee put them in hartford or jacksonville that's okay too if you go there you can tell um shod khan that you spent too much money on nick Foles. do that on my behalf if you would please Anyway, uh, Lamar, what do you think about potential? Can I get the Lululemons when I go there? Oh, God. Let's not get into this before I go off on a tangent that's going to you know, <laughs> make me have to cancel this podcast. Lamar, what do you think about uh, bracketology for Maryland? Uh, yeah, I don't see them falling below a five. I would 
the Maryland mid-major matchup is one of those that you'd love to see as like a lover of college basketball, but terrifying hey. as a Maryland fan. Yeah. Because the last uh, Del- it was Valpo, it was South Dakota State. They gave Maryland the real run for their money. I don't want to see that again. Uh, who 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 were they playing when Varun blocked the shot? That was South Dakota State. Yeah, it was like, why are we in a position where this has to happen? Well, that was. I think uh, that one was Valpo. Oh, was it? Oh no, it was Valpo. That was right. Valpo. Yeah. Well, I figured that Verum could have done that against South Dakota State too, but it was it was Valpo. But for basically, they're the same kind of team, and Murray yeah. is very much like that. Or, I mean, any other number of teams that could end up getting you know that twelve. But when you look at the back end of the bubble, and if the twelve seeds end up getting the playing games this year, God, I want to play one of those. Like if it was NC State, yeah. I wouldn't be terrified of that at all. But Murray State, I'm paranoid that Maryland's going to lose that game. Daryl versus John Morant would have to be, would definitely be one of those matchups where like you're either you either can't take your eyes off of them or you're like watching through your fingers is like, "Oh god." Well, it's going to be like if you're a basketball purist, you're going to love that matchup. If you're a draftee, yeah. you're going to love that because how is John Morant going to do against a guy that is going to defend him all over the floor and get in his face all the time? You know, you're gonna and has a track record of stopping some of these track guys. Track stopping Carson Edwards, so he's not going to be scared by that. That, I mean, from a basketball perspective, it's great, but from a Maryland perspective, that's terrifying. We'll get to that next week. They play the late afternoon game on Thursday. All the games are on BTN until Saturday. That'll start probably around three-ish. The same would happen Friday if they won. They'll play Wisconsin, and then they would play the early game on Saturday against probably Michigan State if they won. We'll get to that bridge when we come to it, because Maryland hasn't won two games in the tournament in a while. And so the thought of that, let's, let's focus on other things going forward. Thomas, let's go to the women. Uh, they had a pretty interesting week in Indianapolis. Blew out Michigan State, got revenge, had a real tough game against Michigan. If you didn't see the end, there was a phantom timeout call that Brenda Fries may or may not have called. When Kyla Charles scored, she was then fouled, and then Maryland scored and had a great last defensive possession to squeak out by one. And then Iowa happened again. Yeah, I mean, they got, like, fully iowa again. It's – I don't know. I mean, this is what – I think this is what Maryland did to teams a couple years ago when it had Brianna Jones, except worse. Because I mean, Megan like, Gustafson has Megan even more range. It's just and insane. Now, I think a lot of what she was doing could have been called as fouls, but at least the fouls in this game were much more consistently called than in the other game. Yeah. But here's it was, the thing. It was wild, though, just to see Maryland's entire front court in foul trouble. I think the funniest thing in me is Olivia Owens, who's a freshman who's, like, you know, a really talented prospect but hasn't really seen a lot of time this year because there are other bigs on the roster. And they need her in a Big Ten title game. And she fouls out in six minutes. It was crazy. It, it and, was like, just, they God. needed every one of those fouls. <laughs> Some, it, was, it was insane. And uh, you know what this kind of feels like to me? Last year, Maryland ran into red-hot Kelsey Mitchell. This year, they run into red-hot Mega Gustafson. But those were one-year things, and this is not the complete version of this Maryland team. So I can imagine this being what Maryland does to some poor team next year. You know what I mean? Yeah, although it would be kind of interesting because – Probably Kyla Charles would be that one player who could take over a game. Well, I mean, she kind of took did. over that game, too. And she did take lost. over that game. Yeah. I mean, she had an amazing game. 
that was such a great spectacle to watch. She is an amazing player. And if you haven't watched Maryland basketball, you're going to know who Kyla Charles is almost immediately. And she had a great game, but no one else scored. Yeah, I don't think anyone else reached double figures for them. Like, when you watch Maryland, you, you immediately notice Taylor Mikesell because she's an amazing shooter. She made one three, I think, in the entire game. Right? Blair yeah, Watson I mean, she's had... been Maryland's really most consistent. She and then Charles have been Maryland's most consistent players. And the Iowa game was one of the few where Mikesell had been a little off. And if that plus Gustav saying Maryland could keep year, up. What is the number one thing you hear, the first thing you hear? She takes 500 shots on game day. She is born to shoot, and she had a bad game. You know, you had all the other players. The, the bigs had trouble because of Megan Gustafson, and Iowa was executing really well. But Maryland was down by 14. Then they did what they did last year in the Big Ten title game. They made a run and got it tied, but couldn't do much after that, and then they just kind of ran out of gas. It was almost a carbon copy of the game last year against Ohio State. Yeah, and I feel like... Well, I mean, their NCAA tournament seating is higher this time. Like, they'll be they'll be a three almost certainly. Oh, last year, they, last year they needed that game for uh, to host, basically, and they didn't get it. This year, they're going to be a three. If they won, they probably would have been a two. I don't know what region they're going to be seated in. Obviously, we know the the selection committee does not like the Big Ten for reasons that no one understands, but. I think Iowa gets a two, though. Iowa's going to get a two, but it's a matter of, like, is Maryland going to get put in the region of death with, like, Baylor and then Mississippi State as a two seed? You know, that kind of thing. But, I mean, they're going to be fit for whatever the case may be to get out of College Park and make it to the Sweet 16. It's a matter of what two seed do they play when they get to, you know, wherever regional they're in and uh, whether they could go past that, I think, is an open question. Yeah, I mean, the, the top of the sport, there's less of a gap between the one seeds and the three seeds this year than there's been in a very, very, very long time. I think you would probably ask women's basketball observers, and they might say ever. Yeah. Just casually following it this year, it's been the most wide-open season of college basketball in the women's game that we've seen ever. Yeah, I mean, even though it's the usual suspects, you know, they've all kind of taken turns. You know, Baylor, UConn, Notre Dame— Louisville had their moments. Maryland's had their moments. You know, Mississippi State's had their moments. It's going to be a good tournament. Uh, and then the Pac-12 teams, Oregon, Stanford, the fighting destiny slocums at Oregon State. True. But, I mean, I would still expect Maryland is – they're going to host, so don't worry about that. So you could go watch them play in College Park. I'm fairly sure they're going to get out of the first two rounds. It's just a matter of can they maybe pull off an upset in this week 16 in a game that they're probably not going to be favored in, which is – a rarity because they've been probably favored in every game, maybe except the two Iowa games this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was, that game was nuts, though. That was such a fun game to watch. I mean, I was angry because I wanted Maryland to win, but that was just a fun game of women's college basketball to watch. It was played at such a high level. Yeah, I mean, the I wouldn't really blame anyone if the whistles kind of turned them off of that game, but... Other than that, it was it was entertaining. I can tell you because I watched the first game when Maryland played against Iowa. That game, as at least, was more equitous in the foul calls. I didn't come out of that game feeling like I was robbed. Fair enough. So the women's selection show is next Monday. Perhaps we will have a podcast 
but we'll have a podcast by that point, but it depends on the men's schedule when they play where we could talk about Maryland, the women's draw. Let's go to some football things, Thomas, very briefly. Lost in all the shuffle lists. There's a couple of news. They got their first 2020 commit and tight ends, tight ends at Maryland playing football. Tight ends are coming. Um, so the, yeah, so we've got, we'll, we'll start with the 2020 kid, Jordan White. He is, we're just going to call him a lineman. I think he's going to be an offensive lineman for Maryland, but he's listed as a defensive lineman in some places. He's played both. I think his highlight tapes are on offense. He is, he's a high three star. He's a good start to the class, just ratings wise. Um, perhaps more importantly, he's a Dematha kid and Maryland could end up with several of those this cycle. And, to get there on the board early that are always pretty helps. highly re, uh, regarded by the recruiting services as is always the case and i think this year more than ever maryland is very much in the mix for all of those guys watch this space it's going to be a very interesting summer to see how that plays out yeah i mean i think the spring and summer are kind of when this will all really really heat up and for the tight end who played for uh, Buffalo, and last year, of course, they were pretty good. Yeah, so Buffalo went 10-4. and four. Tyler Mabry, the tight end, was first-team All-Mac. He only had 27 catches and, I think, three or four touchdowns. But, that you know, that's still a first-team All-Mac tight end. He's a very good blocker. So he and Okonkwo are going to be a pretty good one-two. Um, Maryland might even play two tight ends at once have they from time done to time. that in well i can't even imagine maybe ralph region <laughs> i'm sure they did it with Edsel like once or twice but <laughs> it i mean playing with two tight ends if nothing else allows allows you to kind of open up more gaps for anthony mcfarland and a number of other running backs yeah and Oconquo can catch passes and mabry can catch passes and that's the first time maryland's had two very viable receiving tight ends in a while. I would say, Lamar, what do you think about tight ends? And the fact that Maryland has a couple of them now. All right, now, stop me if I go too fast. I think we should throw passes to tight ends. I think we should fully invest resources in throwing passes to tight ends. Uh, Do you know I did that at Madden all the time when I was too scared to throw it to the wide receiver on a skinny post? Uh, I had, I'm had. i an Eagles fan, so I always had Selick and Ertz when I played Madden. I'm a big proponent of no, throwing no, the no, tight no. ends. You didn't have L.J. Smith? Oh, no. I had L.J. Smith. I, I remember Eagles, all. <laughs> by the way, for those of you out there who like the Eagles and Rutgers football, it turns out. That's a oh, deep man. Deep. Uh, I grew up outside of Philadelphia. I could give you all sorts of random Eagles. How about Corel Buckhalter? Anyway, oh, let's continue about bro. tight ends. I... I that is a – all right, briefly on Corel Buckhalter. That's the player I remember juking his stacks all the way up in uh, Madden just so I could throw the four birds every play. Um, Amateurs. Uh, <laughs> I was younger. I, I didn't want the challenge as much. I just wanted to win football games. Uh, <laughs> but I got to love what uh, Loxley is doing so far on the recruiting trail, and everyone's saying that, the kid, uh, Jordan White, it, uh, 
is was not only the best offensive lineman but defensive lineman on demand last year, which is crazy. Uh, but having Elijah Brooks on the staff is already paying off. It's like Nick Cross to close out the 2019 class, and now you're starting 2020 on the math foot. It's it's going to be interesting. That that is going to be one heck of a summer, and the rumors are going to be flying, and we're going to get much too excited for things that we probably shouldn't get excited about. But maybe this maybe that excitement will be worth something this summer, as opposed to what it was in recent times, because eh, this is Maryland, and you normally don't get excited about Maryland football, but maybe you can be excited about them now. I'm really interested, though, like, when you look at all the, just one last comment on this, Thomas, all the transfers he brought in, that's half a class in itself. It's incredible. Yeah, and and I mean, most of them are most likely going to be eligible right away, too. So, you know, they kind of got lucky with, like, Josh Jackson's a grad transfer with two years left. You know, Keandre Jones should be immediately eligible. Sean Savoy might be immediately eligible if he gets a waiver with that he should probably get. And Mabry will be immediately eligible. So that allows this year's roster to be stronger and leaves a lot of spots open for 2020 recruits and beyond. It, it, it is setting up nicely for Maryland football, which is a crazy thing to even think about. And it's March. I don't want to think about it because I know what's going to happen in September. But let let that go on for now. Plenty of non-revenue sports things to get to. Lots of games have happened. Thomas, I'll leave you to pick where you want to start because a lot of things have happened. So we'll start with women's lacrosse. They, their last two home games have been fascinating. They're against top five teams North Carolina the first time, Syracuse this weekend. Both went to double overtime, and they Maryland won both to extend its home winning streak to 80 games, which okay. I let's, believe let's, goes back to 2011. Let's start by saying lacrosse does not play a huge schedule. I think women's lacrosse schedules are maybe, what, like 20 games at most? Regular season, I think they play 17. So maybe eight or nine of them are at home. That's just ridiculous. Yes. That is one of the most impressive winning streaks in any sport. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just 80 of anything in a row is crazy, especially the, the schedule Maryland plays to always be better than whoever comes into their building. And again, they schedule the best teams in women's lacrosse every single year, and it's all of them. They don't skip. Although, they might have skipped Boston College this year. We'll see. That's true. That's true. But, like, they got UNC every year. Florida actually isn't ranked right now, but they were number four when they played them. Um, Syracuse was number four when they played them. Penn, they play tomorrow, and they're number six. So, never a, never a shortage of strength and schedule. Uh, Kathy Reese doing what Kathy Reese does. Yep. So how about the men then? They lost in Notre Dame in overtime, I think it was. Yeah, so they lost in overtime. We've had a lot of like overtime lacrosse. Overtime lacrosse is fun because there's no you know mucking about. It's sudden death. Mm-hmm. It's sudden death, and every draw control slash face off becomes twenty seven times as important or whatever. It, it, 
as much as I will say that the most dramatic overtime you can get is Stanley Cup playoff overtime when the game can end at literally any second, lacrosse overtime is also a ton of fun. It's really dramatic, and more often than not, you score, but when you don't, it's a huge deal. And if you win a draw, you could lose. Or if you lose a draw, you could lose, basically. You could win a draw, you could lose. Anyway, the point is it's very dramatic, and they're more often than not like actual coin flips, you know. Yeah, and the fact that the women's teams come out on top both times, men's teams one and one so far, I was fascinated. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the Notre Dame game, but it was it, it was so cold in South Bend, and they have like just this indoor sports practice facility that they're able to bring in bleachers to somehow. And so they played like at a field house that the football team practices on. Because it was so cold they couldn't actually play outside. Yeah, and it was just like fascinating to watch a game on that. Well, it's like if Maryland Lacrosse put a game inside Cole Fieldhouse. Yeah, which you know, I was talking with a few guys about that like where would you put people? Um, you put them on the the risers, I guess, above. Yeah, there's there's kind of a balcony over there. That would be that would be fascinating. I'd love to see them do it. Because I've been around where they have postponed games because it was twenty degrees. Yeah, I think maybe you know, at, at least if that ends up getting completed before long, they might be able to do that once. I don't I'd know. Like to see it do it just for the sake of them mm-hmm. doing it because it'd be great fun. Oh yeah. But, but hey, men's lax is six and one. Men's lock men's lax is six and one. They won at Albany, who's not nearly what it's been. So they're number six in the country now. Baseball took two out of three from Stetson. Mad Hatters. They're yeah. One of the greatest nicknames in all of sports. I'd it, I would, I'd say it's up there. The Stetson Les Mileses. I am not the first person to have said that. Mm-hmm. I can't be. Maybe. But, but I mean, either way, like Stetson to win three out of two out of three over Stetson last year was very impressive because Stetson won forty games and made the super regionals. This year, Stetson's not nearly as good as it was last year, but to win two out of three on the road is pretty solid. Um. Maryland's just had a lot of young guys step up. Max Costas is hitting, you know, he, he's suddenly the best hitter on the team. He's a freshman. And Hunter Parsons is having just an awesome year. I think he's got an ERA of one through four or five starts at this point. Sounds good. That, that is pretty good, is my analysis. Yeah, I am right in my analysis. The ERA of one is good at baseball. Softball plays home games this week. They do. They do. It is it is that time of year. Mm. Um, they they come home with a twelve and eleven record, which is definitely their best in a while. They 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 were kind of up and down this weekend. Um, they hit okay. They pitched pretty well. They were very poor in the field, and they played five one run games and they went two and three. Seems all right. Could be worse. That that seems like a saying. In I the past, anyways. it has definitely been worse. So baseball and softball still, nice. still both with winning records at this point. Not something that I can really say I would have expected, but we'll see if they can keep it up. 
That's positive. Anything else? That is mostly it. Uh, well, let's go back to wrestling for half a second. So Yosef Hamida was the only Maryland wrestler, I think, to win a match, but he finished third at Big Tens, which is absurd. Like last year, he was sixth in the conference and finished eighth at Nationals, which makes him an All-American. <laughs> Big, I've I've said this before on this show. The Big Ten wrestling is about as loaded as any conference in any sport. And yeah, actually, when you think about it, yeah, and you're right. Perhaps the most extreme is like the heavyweights, like, and so for him to to finish that well in that pack is impressive. There are a lot of people care about wrestling in the Big Ten. Oh, yes. I mean, we're talking... I mean, if you don't pay attention to that, you might want to the few in the Big Ten that don't. It's like it's like watching Maryland come so, in and make lacrosse amazing. Yes? Yeah, so I had not uh, been paying attention to wrestling. Uh, I knew, in general, the Big Ten was really good, but I hadn't really like looked into it as much until... Uh, Hamida won all these matches. Uh, first off, he came into the tournament unseated, had to win five matches to place third. Um, and nine of the top 15 wrestlers in the nation, heavyweights in the nation, are in the Big Ten. Three of those got beaten by Hamida in a uh, route to that platform finish. So it was just crazy. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten is good at wrestling. That's why we moved to the Big Ten. Because we're, well, no, no, we're not a wrestling school. But That's wrestling not why school. We Wait, are we not a wrestling school? No. Very not. No. I don't think so. <laughs> now, we are a women's basketball school. We're a women's lacrosse school, a field hockey school. We're a school in a lot of things in this sport, uh, my friends, that actually, you know, matter. They matter way more than football and men's basketball. Oh, totally. But we're good at that. You, most of the time, we're good at that. Uh, yeah, I, I think more often than not, we're pretty good. Uh, stay tuned. Next week, of course, we will have all the previews for Maryland, where they're going in the NCAA tournament, when they're playing, who they're playing, what their draw might be. We have a lot to get to. We also have a couple of maybe some goodies for you next week as well. Stay tuned for that. Uh, and remember, we're going to be also starting up very shortly the Testudo Times Bracket Challenge, returning again. Last year, I think I finished second which was a fluke of luck and genius. You Mostly genius. With. I, I don't want to consider it genius because every time I say that, I mean, I end up doing horribly the next year. Uh, I'm going to have to be really tempted if Maryland does play Murray State to not pick that as the 5-12, but, yeah, oh well. So stay tuned for that. 150 episodes of the show, though not really because we've had half episodes and a bunch of other stuff. Hope you've enjoyed that. We will see you next Monday or Tuesday, depending on when Maryland plays. If they play Thursday, you'll get this podcast Monday. If they play Friday, you'll probably get it Tuesday. Uh, until then, of course, go Terps. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.